everyone, what you're about to listen to is a new weekly podcast we're doing here at BSN Denver. If you enjoy it, be sure to subscribe to the Denver Sports Podcast feed. Let's start the show. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. Giving up 21 runs on Monday. Are the wheels falling off for the Rockies? We'll be discussing that and more in the Denver Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Monroy, and with me today is BSN Rockies beat writer Drew Creaseman, BSN Nuggets beat writer Harrison Wind, BSN Avalanche beat writer AJ Hayfley, and finally, BSN Broncos beat writer Ryan Koningsberg. Welcome to the show, guys. Why was I last? Because you're sitting to my left. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Just because you're on TV now, you don't have the clout to just demand <laughs> to go first here. She's I just, feel like I do. She's just saving best for last, bro. Just calm down. All right, all right. I'll take uh, Thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that and run with it. All right, guys. So we have some of the brightest guys in Denver sports media working at BSN, and we always have such great conversations when we're all together. So we thought, why not start a podcast? It's a good idea. Why not? Russell Westbrook, why not? <laughs> And that's why we decided to call it the Denver Sports Podcast, because it's not just a Denver Sports Podcast or the Denver Sports Podcast. When you get this group of folks together, it's the Denver Sports Podcast. Should I change my name from AJ to VJ? <laughs> the, that would be great. Sounds a little too close to VJ. And that <laughs> oh, that's not yeah, a good I connotation guess in Denver. That's true. Ryan was really, really excited about the Denver Sports Podcast, so be sure to call it the yeah, it's kind of like Ohio State. I was going to say, do we have the <laughs> lowercase t in front of it if yeah. we abbreviate it? Yeah, you have to like make sure that you put the T, D, You can't dot the I. You got to cross the T. Yeah, TDSP, the Denver Sports Podcast. Don't get it twisted. All right, well, we're going to start each show with the biggest news item of the week. And today, that would be the Rockies dropping three of their last four games against opponents under 500. Drew, is the season beginning to take a turn for the worse? Well, the easy answer to that question is obviously yes. Uh, th this is bad. This is incredibly bad. Uh, not only that, they lost their s final six games going into the All-Star break. Nothing about this feels good. But what amazes me, Ali, is somehow they managed to gain a half a game in the wild card standings over this last week. They actually beat the Reds in that series. Didn't feel like it, giving up 17 runs in that one game. But yes, this, they're in a bad spot, but they were in a worse spot this time a year ago. This is a more talented team, but I'll tell you what, I was more confident this time a year ago in the Rockies because they were pitching well. And that's the, the difference right now when they're going out there. And I don't think we're going to see that again from Herman Marquez. But when your best dude is giving up 11 runs, when you have no idea what you're going to get out of Kyle Freeland or really anybody but John Gray, 
Like, yes, they're talented enough to turn it around, but will they? I have, I have no idea. I have no reason to believe that that's the case. So we're back to John Gray being an ace. <laughs> don't just, just don't put that on him. <laughs> just don't call him that. Maybe that word just needs to go away for a while. I feel like we've seen this Rockies team ten different times. It's a 500 club with a good offense and bad pitching, yeah. and I'm like, oh. Okay. As is tradition. Well, right, exactly. And it's like, okay, we're getting into late July, and then we'll get into August. The wheels will fall off the bus, and everybody will start paying attention to something else. Well, my biggest question for Drew is what the heck happened to the pitching? What, what's the biggest difference from last year to this year? Right, because that's what's crazy. It's the same group of guys, right, for the most part. And, and that's what I think a lot of it is there's a huge combination of things. One is there's a book out now on Marquez and Freeland. And the league is adjusted. There's still young players who are trying to figure out a way to adjust back. Marquez has been able to get away with more stuff because his stuff is naturally better. He throws like 98. You know, you're going to get away with some mistakes. Where Freeland doesn't have that, his mistakes are just getting hammered. Uh, but I, I, I think they need to make the adjustments. It's just taken them a long time to do that. That in combination with the fact that, yes, the baseballs are different this year. They're flying out everywhere, so that's going to hurt anyone who's struggling at all. If your command is off just a little bit, you're not just giving up singles and doubles. You're giving up home runs. Games can get out of hand the way they have been. So on top of them actually struggling, and that's going to hurt you more at Coors Field. They have the third best ERA in the National League on the road. Hmm. Good for them. Yeah, right. Uh, but but it, right, right, it doesn't mean a whole lot right now. But What's their road record? It's decent. I don't have it right in front of me, but it's pretty yeah. good. They're just, but they're getting killed at home because every single little mistake is, is exacerbated that much more, and they're making a lot of mistakes. Maybe they should raise the fences again. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> just raise them like 20 feet higher. I also think it's not just the starting pitching. I mean, the bullpen has struggled, except Scott Oberg. Right. Yeah, and, and well, that, and that's the other crazy thing is for all I can talk about the juiced baseballs and Coors Field and all this stuff, I just, I've got an article coming out here in a minute on John Gray and his 324 ERA at Coors Field and Scott Oberg and his 2-0 ERA on the season. Came in the other night, pitched two innings, was lights out. So if you pitch well, none of that stuff matters. So at the end of the day, yeah, they just, all of them except for those two guys, literally those two guys, Everyone else is pitching very poorly. You have to be careful saying he has a 324 ERA because with some of the other pitchers, they might literally have a 324 right. ERA. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clarify. <clears throat> is there anything they can do, though? Like, in terms of the baseballs, mm. obviously they're juiced, they've restructured them or whatever. Like, there's like people joking on Twitter, like, turn up the humidor. Like, yeah, is there like a they, double humidor? Right. Yeah. Do they have the, like, uh, like, f like, Cabo in August setting on the humidor. I know that, and that's the joke. And it's like for me, it's just they got to go back to the old baseballs. And re remember, Harrison, when the NBA did this, they, oh, there was like a half a season. Everyone said, "No, we are not doing this anymore." They went back to the old ball. But in baseball, there's something where it's like everyone's kind of afraid to just come out publicly and say, "Yes, of course, the baseballs are different, and it's having an impact." I think I heard last night on the radio, now they said this, if they were wrong, I'm, I'm quoting Jack and Jerry now, but that baseball is on record to smash by a thousand the home run record across all of baseball. Like, it's not a subtle difference here. And, I mean, the frustrating thing, though, is you watched the Giants yesterday, and they're just, like, smacking it all over the park. Yeah. Like, every time there's a pitch up, it's going to right field. Like, every time they get it inside, it's over the fence and left. And then the Rockies are putting up two runs. It's like right. two two solo shots. Like, what? How does the offense at cores put up? What is it? Three runs and three runs in two games in one day. Right. 
I mean, part of that I do think was the fact that they had to play four baseball games in the span of 48 hours, a three-hour delay going into the weekend, finishing a game well after midnight, uh, and just they've been exhausted. Then having to play a doubleheader, a day game the next day, then a doubleheader the day after that. Uh, I think some of that is, is going on with the offense. Some of it is just the Giants threw out some decent pitching as well, again, proving the point that if you pitch well enough, you can tame it to an extent. But I, I think the offense is going to be okay, but I think the whole thing has just permeated the entire team. All of this chaos, it just gets exhausting losing games where you give up 10 runs in two innings to the Reds, stuff like that. And so I think mentally they're exhausted. You're seeing weird mistakes like Hampson falling down or that weird thing where Ian Desmond got called out for taking a slight turn to second base. Like when, And you guys know this across all the sports, the, the old you know, momentum or the good luck. Uh, fortune favors the bold. When you're playing well, you're getting the calls. You're, when you're playing confident, those little things in games are going your way, and nobody on the Rockies is playing confident. So Garrett Hampson falls down. Or an error is made at the absolute worst time. Your center fielder falls over. Wait, everything. What happened going. when Garrett Hampson fell down? Because I, I missed this. I think one. it was because of the rain. Yeah. Wasn't it just slippery? It was just slippery out there. And instead of scoring the first run of the game relatively easily, he fell down halfway between third base and home. Had to scramble back. Couldn't get back to third base. Made an out there, and then two innings later, made another out at third base. Oh. Those are the kinds of things that, in any sport, that kill you when you're just not playing confident, when it feels like everything's going against you. Well, moving on to the future, the trade deadline is coming up at the end of July. Do you think, Drew, the Rockies will be buyers or sellers? That's really the ultimate question. What's crazy is I think that's going to be determined here in the next couple of weeks. I don't think they know, and there's a lot of interesting ways they could go both ways. They're, they're not going to get huge. They're not going to sell off. I've seen some people talking about Charlie Blackman. That's very, very unlikely just because I don't think you're going to get a huge haul of prospects for Charlie Blackman. If they continue to spiral out of control here, I think you could see them move some, some of their relievers particularly to get out from under those contracts. Those guys are going to have value. Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, even Jake McGee. You might not be super thrilled with any of those players, but they actually will across <laughs> baseball get you value those guys have value for teams that need to shore up even if it's going to be their sixth reliever uh so something like that uh, or they could get even a little more creative maybe move Ian Desmond maybe move Daniel Murphy get some prospects for those guys because they know that their future is more likely to be Ryan McMahon and Brandon Rogers or Ryan Maltapi and David Dahl than it is to be them and they can get some of that money and, and spend on free agents to reload for next year because they're not going to sell if you're selling Charlie Blackman now you've got a problem for the next couple of years you have to solve you just want to solve uh, one problem for next season Man, if they could have moved Ian Desmond, they should have done that yesterday. I think a lot of for Rockies for fans literally would anything for like one. a bag of baseballs. I don't care if they've been <laughs> in the humidor or not. Just move them. I mean, they they could. He's he's having a really good season. Uh, he's over the worst part of his contract. I know people think of the contract as being really terrible, but it was pretty front loaded. Right now, mm. it's it's not that bad. It's still not. He's still overpaid. I think it's like fourteen million. But it's it, it, you could get something for him even at this point. And at that point. I mean, you have outfielders. It's not like, you know, you're right. you're like, who are we going to put in that space? First of all, Ian Desmond is not having the best season out there in center field. But, right, right. like, you can throw out Tapia, who actually suddenly is a good defender. Um, is that the – like, can that be the mindset of, okay, well, we can sell off some of these guys because, well, you can, get, you can sell off Murphy. You just put McMahon at first, bring back Rodgers, put him at second. Like, in the end, that, like, it's not even the worst – idea 
Exactly. Like, I, I've even discussed before just on the Rockies podcast about how they could do both and should honestly consider it. Like, they, they need to restock their farm system a little bit, and they could move some guys out that they don't even necessarily take a huge – like Harrison's saying, you don't feel like you're taking a huge step backward if you trade Ian Desmond and you give all of his at-bats to Ryan Maltapia. You're not feeling terrible about that even for the rest of the season. And then you can add some prospects. Maybe then you don't feel terrible about, move, about moving Colton Welker for a reliever who's going to come in and shore up the bullpen, stabilize a team that's still two games out of the wild card. With every opportunity, no one's running away with the National League. It's just brutal out there. Well, I mean, the Dodgers are running away with the National <laughs> League. After that, it's a free-for-all. Well, besides the Rockies' recent struggles, it's actually a really exciting time to be a Denver sports fan, and we'll get into why after the break. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back into the show. The next thing I want to talk to you guys about is how each and every team has such exciting young prospects and the future looks really, really bright in Denver sports. There are a lot of candidates for this, but let's start with you, AJ. Well, I mean, Kale McCarr is the most exciting prospect in all of all of Colorado sports, and I don't think it's particularly close. So is that is that what we're doing here? <laughs> who has who, which team has the most exciting prospect? Well, I mean, Kale McCarr is going to be. I mean, he's got he's got the it factor. He's also going to be better than all the other guys that are go about to get named. So, especially whoever you come up with for the Broncos, <laughs> uh, it's it's McCarr, and it's it's honestly not even close. The only one I'm worried about is Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> does Kale does Kale McCarr have top ten player in the league potential? Yeah, yeah, okay. he absolutely does. What's uh, his, what's his? Give us give us a comparison. Who's this? What's his Eric ceiling? Carlson okay. in his prime before Eric Carlson's feet needed to be cut off like they have been, and he got bionic feet like he has now. Um, I have no idea if you're being serious. No, he he's got. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. It's it's a crazy story. Um, Legal, yeah, right. Hey, he just he just got paid. So, um, no, Kelmacar Kelmacar is the man. Uh, he's gonna be. He's going to be the McKinnon of defense for them. And McKinnon came awfully close to winning MVP. McCarr is probably going to be in a Norris converse conversation as the league's best defenseman in the next two or three years. The only follow-up I have is how how soon are we talking here? The next two or three years. But Like, like it'll start this year. He'll be, he'll be in the Calder contention for top rookie this season, this next season. Um, it'll be tough because he's a defenseman, and it's just it's hard scoring-wise to keep up with those guys. Uh, but – 
he'll be he'll be on Colorado's top pairing sooner than later. He might. I mean, he might even opening night. He might be on their top pairing. All right, I have a question. It's a little off topic, but is it true that the Pepsi Center has banned kale? I don't. I don't actually know. Uh, I know they were like, talking are you about serious? it. <laughs> I know they talked about it. We're talking about the it's all because of Ryan's here. Ryan's tweet. Yeah. that went viral. The is, kale guy. Like, am I am I in trouble? Is that a bad thing, or is it just like okay that you can't bring kale? To, like, do we need that? <laughs> the thing we need. I mean, well, Red Wings fans have their thing. I think this yeah, would be a cool ugh. abs thing. I think something Kale McCarr has going for him is he has a great name. Like, he, yeah. to be yeah. a star, you kind of need a great name. Totally. Kale so McCarr is a superstar type name. Yeah. Not like the guy no, the Avs, not not like the guy that Avs just drafted in the first round with that really weird name. Oh, Bo and Byram. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I I like I like Bo Byram, but I think. Uh, uh, people are going to stumble over it. Kill McCarr just right. rolls off the tongue, oh, and you're yeah. just like, there's sex appeal there. Can you go oh. by Bobai, though? He it's does like... go by Bo. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's doable. So going calling him Bo instead of Bowen all the time is going to make it easier. It's such a WHL name. All right. Well, Harrison, let's <laughs> – AJ kind of talked about Michael Porter Jr., so let's move on to the Nuggets. Do yeah, I'm going to go with Vlaco, uh, Vlaco Chanchar. Yes. <laughs> Winner, hands down. <laughs> No, I mean, if, if you're looking for a guy in the Nuggets that's the best prospect in Colorado sports, it's probably got to be Michael Porter Jr. And based on what people are saying within the organization right now, he looks to them like the guy that they scouted and evaluated in high school before these injuries really cropped up. And back then, he was a consensus top two prospect in high school basketball, You know, thought of as arguably the top guy you know, on the prep circuit. And, and he was looked at back then as a transcendent-type talent, a guy who could come into the league and you know be that all-star, all-NBA-level player. So if he's the guy that we're hearing that he looks like behind the scenes, and I know he just had an injury, but uh, if he is that guy, then I think he can definitely be you know the top prospect here. I think the n- natural follow-up is where are you on the MPJ panic scale with the injuries? Because I'm at about like an eight. I'm much lower than that. Um, I don't think the knee injury is a big deal. And, uh, I mean, I do think, like, every injury is connected. And it probably had something to do with the back injuries. And just, like, his body, you know, isn't fully healthy. And there could be other stuff that crops up. But the the knee injury, honestly, it maybe rose my panic meter a little bit. But it didn't, like, set it off to extreme heights, I'd say. What was the vibe at Summer League after Nuggets fans found out that MPJ wasn't going to be playing? I mean, that game was sold out. Yeah, I mean, it was sold out probably more because of Zion, Zion, for sure. But, I mean, my excitement level for Summer League went down quite a bit. Yeah. He, he was the story, like, and he was probably going to be the second, like, most attractive guy there after Zion. And, and then... You're talking looks or... <laughs> well, uh, he probably was the he's most attractive. Guy. <laughs> I mean, Porter looks like a freaking model. That's, but that that plays into the superstar conversation. <laughs> for sure, for sure, he's got a good name. He's got sex appeal as well. Now, hold on. Now, if we're going down that path, there's not a more handsome team in the league than the Colorado Rockies. Just so everyone knows, Those, have you I, been in the Avs locker room, uh, bro? Nah, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's a bunch of beautiful blonde Swedish uh, people. How many teeth do they have at this point? Bro? Most of <laughs> most. If we get rid of Eric Johnson, the majority of the roster is. Is well toothed. Hey, soft, some people soft. are into the one tooth type of guy. It's the one front tooth. No, but the the last thing I'll say about Porter and AJ was talking about ETA for Kale McCarr. 
I was talking with Michael Malone in Las Vegas, and he told me that he fully expects Porter to be a part of their opening night rotation next season. So if we're talking ETA, I think we'll see it, you know, beginning next season. I'm not saying he's going to play 30 minutes a game, but, you know, he'll be on the court. We'll see what he's got. I know, Ryan, you're really excited to talk about your pick, but we're going to move on to Drew first before you. Fair so, enough. Drew, who do you think? Okay, so here's why Brandon Rogers is the best prospect in Denver. He's the best prospect the Colorado Rockies have ever had. And I know a lot of times with baseball prospects, because Ooh. they take half a decade to get there, people feel like – and then they arrive at 22 and they don't look – super awesome in the first two weeks of their MLB career. People go, ah, this guy doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. But let's understand that Brendan Rodgers has had a much better minor league career, much better scouting reports throughout the minor leagues than David Dahl, Trevor Story, Rymal Tapia, Kyle Freeland, John Gray. That's a long list of really good baseball players. Particularly, I would draw attention to Trevor Story, who had a very rocky minor league career, who wasn't expected was to do that a pun? The, yeah, hey, 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 you know. Yeah, uh, it, it could have been nutty either because actually the, the terrible year he had was out in Modesto. So Should have been, been chubby. Could have been. Oh, <laughs> let's not even. Uh, <laughs> oh, my hometown. He's got blocked. <laughs> I did indeed. Uh, but Brendan Rodgers has better peripherals, better potential than all of those guys. He's a really good defender. He's got extraordinary pop. I was incredibly impressed with the way he stepped up to the big league level and didn't look overmatched at such a young age. Uh, he's missed some time with injuries, kind of like Michael Porter Jr. That's really the only big question mark about him right now. He's had a little bit of trouble staying out there on the field. But this guy has all of the potential to be an all-star shortstop in Major League Baseball. And that's a very difficult thing to do. That's one of the most valuable guys you can have. How do I like stop myself, though, from reading into the numbers when he came up, reading into the fact that the pop wasn't there when he was up in the big leagues? Like, It's the same thing as like my Michael Porter Jr. panic meter. It's like, okay, I, I was hoping he would just come up, light the world on fire, like, you know. Because guys this, don't do that. Take this Rockies team along. But, like, how do you like what are you what are you looking at that's saying like eh don't worry about that yeah a lot of it's just you know the at bats that he's putting together he's not swinging at balls and looking at strikes he's he's got a good sense of the strike zone that's one of the hardest things to do as a young player you gotta adjust to the fact that guys at the big leagues are they're throwing 98 and it's got movement you don't see that in the minor league level there's no replacement for seeing major league pitching it takes time to adjust even guys who burst out of the gates the way Trevor Story did. His second year, his first three or four months were awful. He was striking out 35% of the time, sitting on a 220 batting average. Next year, he's in the running for MVP. It takes a minute to adjust, so you got to watch each of those individual at-bats and see if he's hanging in there against the best in the world. And to my eyes, Brendan Rodgers is, is hanging in there at 22, which means at 23, he could really take off. I agree. I think age has such a big part of it. I mean, the guy's... 22 he needs time to mature be in the league a little bit you can't just expect football's a little different but you can't just expect so much productivity from a guy who's 22 years old who needs to get used to the the position he's in when did Troy Tulowitzki kind of ascend to all-star status how old was he uh, well, I, I think he, he also made his, yeah, he was a rookie of the year candidate. I, I believe also at 22 years old, he hit 20 something home runs that year, tying Ernie Banks for a rookie record, mm -hmm. lost out to Ryan Braun. He had a down year the next year. He, yeah, I know. Right. Cheater. Yeah. That was a crime. Yeah. 
uh, and, and his like 17 defensive errors that Ryan mm-hmm. Braun made that year, and Troy Tulowitzki had maybe the best defensive season in the history of Major League Baseball. <laughs> Meanwhile, Matt Holiday got robbed for MVP as well. Oh, 2007. <laughs> to We're going to do this. Jimmy Rollins. <laughs> Uh, yes. But and then he got really hurt the next year, right? And, and, right. Right? and then after that, I think he was just all star level mm-hmm. from then on until he was broken. How much of how much does Rogers lose his value when he has to move over to second base because Trevor Story is an all star? That that's going to be interesting because that could play up for him or it could play down. If he can, if his power numbers translate and he becomes a twenty five home run guy at, at the big league level, and he can get that slick defense over at second base that he's shown at shortstop, then that really plays up for you because now your middle of the infield is going to hit sixty home runs for you. Well, and then but, you have Nolan at third. Right. I mean, you almost don't care who plays at first. Exactly. And that's then what with the Rockies Mc- have been saying for years, yeah. they don't care who's <laughs> playing at first ever since Todd Helton left. And it's going to be Ryan McMahon. Daniel Murphy clearly is is past his athletic prime. Whenever that was, <laughs> whatever. He's just entering his dancing prime. <laughs> so, uh, but Ryan McMahon is is your first baseman in the future, and that's a really athletic, really good defense, and that's a, an infield that could hit just an absurd amount of home runs. When you're talking about in our in our conversation here, though, we're talking about the most valuable of the young players. You know, McCarr is the number one defenseman, which is one of the hardest things in all of hockey to find. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a – he could be a do-everything. like He could be a number one Like a, Like a option. Kevin Durant clone. Sure, sure. You know, Brendan Rodgers, I feel like there's a step below there, even if he has a high – even if he's Jeff Kent, like you and I have talked about. You know, he's, he's as high an offensive ceiling second baseman as there is. He's still a second baseman at that point because Story is as good as he is. What's interesting about that is that – and this is just a weird time we're in in baseball right now. There's a real – dearth of talent at second base yeah. across the league. I think Cattell Marte started for the <laughs> National League at second base uh, in the All-Star game. That's It's not a deep position right now. A lot of the best talent in the league, uh, Manny Machado, uh, some of these guys playing shortstop and third base, a lot of the, you know, Josh yeah. Donaldson's and across the world and, and obviously Arenado and, and Matt Chapman, where even if you want to go to the AL. So oddly enough, he might bring more value at a position of need at second. All right. Well, for the Broncos, Ryan, who do you are who are you most excited for on the team as a young prospect? Drew, do you want to <laughs> no, say something? You're, no, you're no I'm just very the... curious to see. I'm just very into what this answer is going to be. So I think the answer that would give me the the, the easiest competition here in terms of having a guy that has already proven something, it would be Philip Lindsay. Like Philip Lindsay is that level of, of superstar in the city. And he has the hometown thing, which gives him a boost. But that's not who I'm going with because there's a guy who is on the Broncos right now who easily has the most superstar potential of anyone in the city, and it's Drew Locke because he is a quarterback of the Denver Broncos. If he pans out, if he can become you know, a Patrick Mahomes-esque level player with that arm and the athleticism, if he becomes a plus starter – at quarterback for the Denver Broncos, he's going to be the biggest name in this city. So he's, of all the people we've talked about, he's probably proved the less, the least of anyone. He doesn't have anything yet. We haven't even seen a training camp practice from him. But if he pans out, he will be the biggest superstar of any of those guys. All in favor of Drew being the biggest name in the city. But... <laughs> 
I mean, how many times have we heard this one before? How many biggest names in the city? How many? Oh, this guy looks like he's gonna he's about to take over Denver because he's the the being the the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Yes, it, the potential is there, but isn't the gigantic target that is put on you not only by, of course, everybody else in the league, but by the fans, the expectations, the need for winning football in this town. Like, he's definitely under more pressure than anyone else we've talked about. He has also the least amount of pedigree. 40 guys were taken before him in the draft Mm -hmm. at the most important single position in sports. And there's 32 NFL teams, and every single one of them said no before one of them had to turn around and say yes on a third try. So, you know, there's there's the least amount of pedigree there. McCarr was fourth overall. Porter Jr. would have been a top two pick had he been healthy. Rodgers is third overall. We're talking about legitimate superstar potentials and a dude who just lit up the SEC at Missouri isn't irrelevant. But, I mean, the quarterback is the ceiling, but I don't think Locke has it. Well, the thing is, is he has the lowest floor for sure of all these guys, except – MPJ with the injuries. Right. I mean, MPJ has a floor that probably means like never, never play in an NBA game. Yeah. So I guess his floor is a little higher than that. Probably. But to me, the opportunity, I mean, he could he could technically be the first great quarterback the Broncos ever drafted, which is crazy to say and, and definitely goes against him. If no history. love for Tommy Maddox, huh? Yeah, no. John Elway doesn't have any love for Tommy <laughs> Maddox either. He took, he took a shot at him in the pre-draft <laughs> press conference. So I just think with Locke, you see the talent. You see that stuff. They're trying to take the pressure off of him, like you said, Drew, by giving him this red shirt year, maybe even two red shirt years before they're going to ask him to be the guy. He has a long way to go. He does have the, the least pedigree here. I mean, I, you know, you could even go with Bradley Chubb as a guy who has that potential. But for me, if, if <laughs> Drew Locke becomes the starting quarterback for the Broncos, if he can be Jay Cutler, which I thought – that was my main comp for him coming out. If he can be at that level and not get traded away by a psycho head coach, he's going to be the biggest superstar in this town. You mean if he's an 8-8 eight eight quarterback? Eh. <laughs> if he's an 8-8 eight eight quarterback and MPJ is over here right, leading well, the Nuggets to, to an NBA Finals or McCarr wins the a The argument that Ryan's you, making isn't because Drew Locke is going to be good necessarily it's just because he's on the broncos well it's because he's got the highest profile position on the highest profile exactly exactly he's the least talented guy that we're talking about at this table right now in his respective job but the ceiling is there and i also i think if jay cutler would have stayed and mike shanahan and that all would have worked out i think he would have been much better than he ended up in chicago but to me Locke has that position he also has the talent he's not a blue chipper kind of as those other guys are but he Mm -hmm. is he has the ceiling of Mm -hmm. those type of guys he has you know Aaron Rodgers ceiling Patrick Mahomes ceiling if he can get there it's it's game over for all the other guys what's Drew Locke's ETA are we talking man maybe if the Broncos really suck next year there's going to be some pressure to throw him out there second half of the season or do you think the earliest we see him is like after this year how many losses do you think the Broncos have to have? I I think the the range for Drew Locke is wild. It could be week seven of this year, and it could be week one of twenty twenty one. I think it's going to be week seven of this year. So who's is is Rogers the last quarterback to to sit for multiple years and be successful? 
Probably. Because uh, obviously Mahomes just for one year. Just the one year, but I'm saying multiple years. We're like, because the way they're talking, you know, and with the way Elway conducts business, like that, that could be a dude that's sitting for a while. Whereas all these other cats that we're talking about here are going to, they're playing. That could be a positive in his favor, though. Um, not necessarily in this comp- uh, conversation of who's going to be a superstar first. It's weird because he's the oldest already, and now he's going to sit the longest, and I'm supposed to buy that this is the brightest prospect that they have to offer? But you're, you have to look at the position. I mean, he has, the, sure. he has the advantage. Because it's not only just in Denver where the Broncos hold the highest profile. It's the NFL. Yeah, of course. Where Patrick Mahomes went from prospect to the you know biggest superstar in sports yeah. in a matter of weeks. So... The, the rise there could be really quick. It's it, it, The best part about this is that there's all this competition. Because in the end, it's the best for Denver sports if all of these guys pan out. And if they all do, Drew Locke is going to be the biggest superstar. Yeah, yeah, he'll definitely be the most tweeted about the first six oh. weeks of the season. <laughs> That's the thing is like, and and we just experienced this with Brendan Rodgers, right? That they, as like you were saying, the longer he sits on the bench, if the team is struggling, it's always easy to love you when you're not playing, and it's all it's always easy when there guys out there are struggling. All we heard for the first several weeks of the season when the Rockies weren't hitting, where's where's Brendan Rodgers? Give me that Brendan Rodgers. I'm gonna need some of that, especially because he's hitting like 400 and AAA or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when you just got like practice film to look at, or you know, him torching in college, and you're like, man, yeah. And there, so he, he will be the most tweeted a name in Denver sports if the Broncos struggle. You guys are sleeping <laughs> on Joe Flacco. What, what I think is interesting I'm about... I'm very asleep on Joe Flacco. <laughs> there, there's nap taking. All these different sports is that when young guys can play, teams play them. Yeah. And the Broncos are actively looking for reasons not mm-hmm. to play Drew Locke right now because there's the... The Paxton Lynch PTSD is like so real that they're like, well, it's because the Broncos. No, 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 no. It's Can't play him. Because the Broncos will never go into that full-on rebuild. Right? Yeah, well, they, always they won't yeah. let it. Exactly, yeah. they want to win, and Joe Flacco probably gives them a much better chance to win than Drew Locke does right now. At least I would certainly hope so. If you, I mean, if you watch these guys practice, Joe Flacco looks like an eleven-year veteran, and the right. other guys out there look like rookies. Right. All right, well, we can talk about this for hours, so we're going to wrap it up. But we want to hear what you guys think. Be sure to comment on our website, bsndenver.com, or tweet at us. Um, We have a really fun segment coming up after the break, so be sure to stick around. Hey, guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Weinster is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Weinster, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Weinster is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Weinster is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. 
So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. This next segment is called Who Won the Week? We will be having each of you guys give your opinion on which Denver athlete or team deserves the biggest spotlight of the week. I'm going to time you so you'll have 90 seconds to state your case and then the rest of the guys get to poke holes in your statement. So I'm excited to hear what Drew says. <laughs> Did you, hear, did you hear I they won the series against the Reds? <laughs> game to half, game in the wild card. <laughs> I'm really excited to see how you guys are going to fit this into 90 seconds after all the conversations we've already had. So, Arizon, let's start with you. I'm going to time you. Ready, set, go. All right, the Nuggets won the week because they made – one of the more underrated moves of the offseason that people look back on in four or five months when the playoffs are starting and say, man, that was one of the best moves of the offseason because acquiring Jeremy Grant is just an absolute home run for Denver. It's not going to come with the same fanfare and the same you know, pomp and circumstance that Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers or Paul George to the Clippers or Anthony Davis to the Lakers will. But, I mean, he's just the perfect fit in Denver, and they didn't sacrifice – any long-term financial flexibility by acquiring him, but he's also a guy they want for their future. He, he fits in what they want to do on the offensive end of the floor. He's the perfect fit next to a Nikola Jokic on the defensive end of the floor. He's a great locker room guy. He's a hard worker who comes from great pedigree. He's from a basketball family. His dad played in the league. I mean, this guy seems like he should have been drafted by like the Denver Nuggets. He's just going to fit in seamlessly doesn't have an ego, and he's going to play a lot, and he's freaking good too. I felt like he's one of the more underrated guys in the league for a while in Oklahoma City getting overshadowed by Westbrook and George there, and I think he's going to help the Nuggets potentially win the West next year. You still got 10 seconds. Are you done? I'm done. Mic drop. <laughs> can, can I use some of his time to, to be in support of that? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Just, like, I don't want to argue just, about this. Just because I think, I think Grant does more to help the Nuggets get closer to winning the West than, say, trading for Westbrook did for the Rockets. Um, it, I think it's just a, a perfect fit, and it sets up the Paul Millsap succession plan. Exactly. Like, they could they could switch salaries next year, those two guys, and it would be, it would be fine if they wanted to keep both, but... If they wanted to let Millsap go, now they don't have to worry about replacing him because they already did with Grant, and it cost them the twenty seventh pick or whatever it ends up being. Like right. it's it's gonna it was it was such a steal for them. Well, and that's definitely the vibe you get that he's gonna be here for a while, yeah. even if Millsap is still here. Mm -hmm. You're right; there is that succession plan in, in place now. Like how big can the young core get? Like the young core now is just the entire roster. Right. Yeah, it's like 12 dudes. And yeah. he's, yeah. he's on the same timeline age-wise as, as pretty much everybody. And, and that's, I guess, the thing you worry about potentially next summer. The free agent class next year sucks, and he could be a free agent next summer. So, I mean, and you worry about if he has a really nice year. Maybe the Nuggets make a playoff run. Maybe he has a big game or two in the playoffs. Teams could be like, oh, Jeremy Grant. Maybe I'll use all my cap space on him. But – the Nuggets are at least giving off the vibe that they're very confident he'll be here for a while. Why not extend him right now? Yeah, what's his bird right situation? Uh, they'll be able to have his bird rights. So, I mean, they'll be able to go over the cap to sign him if they want. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he should be here for a while. And, and why not extend him now? I mean, you just did the Murray extension. You've got the Malik Beasley extension that I'm sure they'd like to get done this summer. So... My question for you, 
because if I was in your position, I would have gone with the Nuggets being ranked second overall in the ESPN power rankings as a oh, way they won the week. Now, mm-hmm. probably not quite as good as you know adding an actual player. Are you on board with that? Do you think the Nuggets are the second best team in the NBA right now because of the addition of Jeremy Grant? I think the Clippers are better on paper. Uh, I think the Clippers should be the favorite in the West, but I think Denver is the second-best team in the conference right now, and you can make the argument that they can win the West. I thought they had a legit shot to win the West without Jeremy Grant, to be quite honest, and I I feel like they've been probably the most slept-on team in the league, but now with Jeremy Grant, uh, you can easily make the case that they win the West. Are they getting a bump because of the familiarity? Everyone else is on a new team with new things. For sure. I mean, continuity matters a lot in the NBA, right? Definitely. And, I mean, they got off to that 9-1 and one start last year because of the continuity. Everybody else in the league is learning how to play <laughs> with one another, and the Nuggets just run it back. Like, they don't need that adjustment, period. All right. No arguments against? We all liked what Harrison had to say? <laughs> Counterpoint to, to the power rankings. Power rankings suck. <laughs> know, but, but the thing is, They're like, a great summer tool to, for conversation. They're uh, Milwaukee. Anytime you're not impressive. in, like, the top three, you can ignore it. But I think seeing – it, for me, is a combination of seeing that with the Nuggets, and then yesterday the, the odds come out from Vegas for the uh, Western Conference, <laughs> and they have the Avs with the second highest odds in, yeah. in all of the Western Conference to win that. I'm like, whoa! I was definitely sudden, surprised to see them at number two. With all sure. the moves the West has made, I was right. also surprised. Yeah. Seeing them behind the Clippers was weird. I wonder or who. I, I, I always want to know who does the power rankings. Yeah. Like, yeah. is it just some intern? <laughs> <laughs> Like, do they do they get everybody together like this around a table and they're like ranking the teams and stacking them? I up? need to know the methodology here. All right, well, let's move on to AJ. What is why do you think the Abs won the week? Well, my big winner for the Abs this week would be Jared Bednar because he got a he got a two year extension and this was a dude who had a forty eight point season in his first year as a as a pro head coach. That would be like the Rockies winning forty games or the Nuggets winning five games or the Broncos going somehow 0 and 17 like it was impossibly bad yep they were unbelievably bad in his first year and then he leads them to two playoff runs in a row and if he if he works out the 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 length of this this extension it will have he will have been the longest tenured abs coach in in abs history that's and, wild and that's they've had so much turmoil at that position for so long and their their organization has been uh, so marred by instability for such a long time that now they have a head coach and uh, a general manager that are so in lockstep with what they're trying to build and the organizational philosophy and their identity that they're building something potentially special here, and Bednar could be here for a long time. And that extension really they, – they gave him a one-year extension after the playoff run last year. And they upped that to two years and said, "No, now he's got, got 10 seconds. he's got three <laughs> years left on that deal." For me, that's that makes him the biggest winner. My question is, uh, now that he has some stability, can he give a decent quote once in a while? You know, I, I so like how monotone. he. I that's the problem is he's he sounds he sounds like a math teacher, but he's uh, he's very intelligent. If if you actually listen to him talk about the game and you and he breaks it down. Uh, I learn a lot just from talking to the guy regularly and, and his player evaluation and how he values things and like what he what he actually has to say. My, my favorite quote from him last year was why he doesn't bag skate teams, because he said it just makes himself feel better. And that's not about him. His job is to put the team in a position to win. 
and that's that back skating a team after a bad game doesn't do that. What's that mean? Back, it's just skating. It's conditioning drills. Up where they just mm. skate up and down the ice. Mm. It's the the scene from Miracle where he says again. Oh, well done, <laughs> that's it. That's that's all that is. Um, and and he doesn't do that to his team because he says it doesn't serve any purpose other than making himself feel better. It's punitive, and that's not what he's after. He's trying to help his team grow and learn and turn the page on on uh, on the game. And you can't put that behind you if you're still focusing on yesterday, the morning after. Punishment. And right, and that's that's not how he coaches. That's not he works to build relationships with his players and put them in situations to succeed. Bagskating a guy doesn't do anything other than he feels better because he gets to watch them be miserable after a bad game the night before. Um, that's just not his personality. It's one of my favorite things about him. I like what Jared Bednar is doing with his hair. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, think guy, he, his, his I think he looks, is insane. He looks more like a hockey his coach now. His suit game is very it's, good. It's hard to believe that dude is from Saskatchewan with the, with the, with the suit game that he has going on. It's, it's gotta, so good. It's got to play into the handsome conversation because no, nothing against Bud Black, but he can't really hold a candle to, uh, to Bednar in that hair. No. And Vance, er, Vic Fangio can? Vic Fangio is a beautiful man. No, I'm just kidding. I, wasn't, I never uh, made it. The Broncos yeah. Vic Fangio aren't the best-looking team in Denver. I'm not gonna, I, I'll fight for a few things. I'm not going to uh, put my name yeah. on that I want to put the Rockies and the Avs in, in, a same, in a same conversation, like a photo now next to each other, because I'd be real surprised if the Rockies are, are more handsome Do than, a GQ than the Avs. photo shoot. Some of them start to let their beard game go a little bit, but no, I mean they they, they got a GQ lineup in there. And some of the guys you don't necessarily think about as much. You like Pat Valeka, handsome man, <laughs> well, handsome dude. man. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna count isotopes, yeah, right. Oh, I know. So it's going to help me if AJ continues to make movie references since I'm pretty weak on hockey. So I appreciate that. And, and, and in light of gotcha. that, I wanted to ask a follow-up question on this. Could we do a quick, because I don't know for hockey, I know much better for the other three sports, like power rank, how important is the head coach, or in my case, the manager uh, to a team? Because a baseball manager, not that important. It can be in certain ways, but individual games, you, you only do so much. The NBA, it's <laughs> a players run league. I are know in the NFL, it's really important. Yeah. Are you just trying to avoid having to make your case for how the Rockies <laughs> won the week? Drew's hoping the segment <laughs> runs just, out right now. No, I, oh, I've got such a case. I'm going to blow your Drew Locke case out of the water with how the Rockies won this week. But, I mean, yeah. in, in the NHL, I honestly don't know how much of an impact. The the majority of a, an NHL head coach's impact is behind the scenes. Okay. It's, Similar to baseball. Yeah, right? like like – Setting it's like setting a, a batting order or a, you know a lineup or whatever. Um, the coach puts the lines out there, and then he largely delegates to his assistants. Uh, there's an assistant coach is in charge of uh, when the pairings go out and and watching the matchups and keeping track of all that. Uh, the other assistant is the same thing for the forwards. The assistants take care of all the special teams. So a head coach is I mean he's mostly just the the. You know, the guy at the top overseeing all of the kind of a coordinator. Of yeah, yeah. And and in a game, uh, not not hugely impactful uh, outside of very, very specific situations. Yeah. I mean, it's got football is the most. Number and I don't one. even know and, if that's like a good thing, right. like running away. It's like football, like one through four. And then <laughs> all the other sports, you could have that conversation. Right. Like nothing even happens without the coach calling the play. Right. It's every all, single play, every single I think I think is dictated by with NHL, it's kind of like the NBA. It's about finding a coach that that gels with your locker room, right? And has a chemistry and understands how to connect with the guys on the team, yeah. And sets the identity and kind of the tone from the top, 
and then everybody sort of follows suit and and buy-in is the biggest thing for I think probably both our both the NBA and the NHL one of my favorite things with the NBA is how the coaches will try try and get ejected to kind of light some fire mm-hmm. under their players you really don't see that in many of the other sports at all mm-hmm. I, I don't even think coaches can get ejected in football yeah. <laughs> right. i've never seen that like happen sportsman like penalty yeah you get 15 yards i'll shut him up michael quick. malone is really good at getting ejected though i don't know if you guys remember that game in la against the lakers where he like tried to take a charge from a referee <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic he just like jumped my, right into but his the players path. love that i mean it yeah. just it fires them up they're like my coach is behind me george yeah, carl most never time. did that. It bothered me that George Carl was terrible about not getting ejected. Man. And, and, and now we know a lot of it didn't necessarily have the backs of some of those guys. And maybe that was fair. But with that team, the 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 Mellow Iverson, J.R. Smith, you can understand how those could those guys could get under the nerves of a coach. Pretty but big personalities. I remember not a good mesh for George Carl. But George <laughs> Carl went an entire season, got one one time he got thrown out. And one other game he got a technical. I'm like, dude. You gotta stick up for your guys, man. Well, this is this is the most common criticism of Bednar is that something goes wrong with them. He doesn't yell at a ref. He doesn't scream. Mm-hmm. He just he pulls his guys over to the bench and he says, "All right, let's refocus." Let's. Um, I would say he's he doesn't use his timeouts enough either um, because he's afraid of burning them because they're tied to challenges in hockey or they used to be. Um, and that's the biggest criti- criticism of him is that he's too calm. The demeanor's too. I mean. Chill. If he wins a game, he has the same tone if they lose a game. To me, that's just you want yeah. your coach to be Sometimes. A, a little excited. At least the I mean, there's, I've there's, seen, there's, there's like, Jared Bednar on, on one side and there's Patrick Wall on the other side, who was a totally loose cannon. Yeah. And uh, he lost – Wall lost his locker room because of that. It makes sense. You would prefer to have someone who holds back than well, someone who, who communicates. goes crazy. And Wall just blew up on people. Yeah. Wall was just too emotionally driven and, you know, had had the trust of his star players for a while – but that style over a couple of years, it grated on him, and they got tired of being screamed at. He literally yeah. had him like – it was like a Pavlovian response where he would uh, – they you could hear it on broadcast. He would whistle for line changes, and it was incredibly annoying. And the players – it drove the players insane. Mm-hmm. And just getting rid of him whistling was a huge step forward for the players and <laughs> trusting wow. their head coach. Yeah, to that point, I think when, when Michael Malone, speaking about the Nuggets, when he took over this team, he was – probably one of the more like emotional coaches in the league and you never knew what you were going to get from him after like a really tough loss and I think one of the best parts about just how he's improved as a coach is he keeps it way more even keel now way more even keel even you know in in some of the worst losses that the Nuggets have had he's not going to go off like he used to I think that's been one of the areas where he's improved I do think that's important in the NBA maybe more so than the NHL. Yeah, you don't see guys get ejected from the bench very often. It happens occasionally, but it's pretty it's pretty it takes a guy crossing a serious line. Well, and the NBA has the biggest egos. So right. you can't like if if Michael Malone's trying to like tear down these guys, they're going to resent him a lot quicker, mm-hmm. especially than football. Football, it's kind of like I think it's it's so widespread that you can't have as big of an ego in football. You even see like, you know, uh, Belichick tearing down Brady out there like that wouldn't happen in the NBA no one's right. going after LeBron on the side yeah because in the NBA it's a lot easier to yeah. move on from your coach yeah, than, your, your, yeah. than, than your max contract <laughs> guy you know it's a lot easier to say goodbye to your coach than your star players all right let's move on to Broncos Ryan why do you think the Broncos will win the week well sorry to do this to you Drew but it's your team's fault that the Broncos are going to win the week um, thanks to the Rockies deciding uh. to bow out here, or at least 
really, I think like the fan base is really fed up right now uh, with the way the Rockets yeah. are playing. And it just lines up so perfectly for the Broncos to just slide in and say, here we are. We're the Broncos. Training camp starts on Thursday, which already takes a huge wave of attention from the media, of course. But I think the fans right now, if the Rockies had won like six out of seven on this homestand, they'd say like, oh, well, I'm still hanging with the Rockies a little bit. It's opened the door wide open for the Broncos to just come in and say, give us all the attention. The Rockies are obsolete. (laughs) Everyone else is doing nothing. Let's go. The Broncos just won the week, according to Ryan, because they did absolutely nothing. <laughs> because they, they just right. they, exist. they watched the calendar turn <laughs> from one day response. to the next. <laughs> no, it's kind of like uh, how Drew is saying the Rockies picked up a game on the wild card while sucking. Like the Broncos didn't have to do anything; they just watched the Rockies flounder, and they're like, "Oh, cool. We don't have to share the we don't have to share the attention at all anymore." So I'm not making my case yet, right? <laughs> so I just uh, how do I n- argue against your case without no, making no, my no. own? No, no, no. You went over your time, just so you know. Just so you know. Whose fault is that? <laughs> Who's in charge of keeping time? All right, everyone started talking. I couldn't yell. Uh, but anyone want to poke any more holes in Ryan's Ryan's argument? I mean, it's obviously nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So. I, what's the, what's well, not true about well, it? Well, I thought, oh, Show me the lies. What we started at was the winner of the week, and we both picked something that's already happened. (laughs) You're picking something that's happening in the future. But with that, there's so much hope around this Broncos team. Even if they were terrible last year, they still, I'm just saying, they still go into it. Fans go into like, oh, new coach, new quarterback. There's that hope factor that the Rockies don't have right now. People are, people are real low true. on the Rockies. I mean, the Rockies have destroyed all <laughs> hope and, and joy and baseball soul that was that existed in any of us. So, I mean, that's all good and well, but that's not to the Broncos' benefit solely. Uh, I it's love not, but they just happen to be the beneficiary of all the attention. They just happen to be the first team to start their training camp right. this year. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. I love that it's episode one of the Denver Sports Podcast, and Ryan has already twice gone to, well, people care more about football than the other sports. (laughs) We know. That's my card. I'm going to use that every week. People do care more about football. That's the only wedge I have. I got to just keep on driving. It's not that people care more about football. It's that more people care about football. Yeah. Oh, well put. Very Very well put. All right, well, since Ryan's argument was like, meh, we'll move on to Drew. (laughs) 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 Drew, this is a tough one, but why did the Rockies win the week? It's not as tough as you might think. First of all, I already mentioned that they are only two games out of a wild card spot, despite everything that's happened, and they're due. It's baseball. They're due. There's 70 games left to play. But forget about – we weren't allowed to use things that haven't happened. Okay, all right. Ryan, shut it. Some things that did happen this week. The Colorado Rockies had four guys play in the All-Star game on a nationally televised scale. One of them hit a big home run. Another one had a great at-bat, laced a single. They all showed that they belong. No one's questioning, even though Story and Arenado didn't do much. No one's questioning that they belong in that game. All of those guys belong to be there. Plus, they had the National League Player of the Week in Daniel Murphy, who had eight hits in that series against the Reds. His first two home runs at Coors Field absolutely coming out. He needs to have a huge finish to the season for the Rockies to get where they need to go. Ryan McMahon has had a huge homestand so far. Again, that's a huge positive sign moving forward. And they still have John Gray despite all of this stuff going on, pitching phenomenally, keeping them in it. So, yeah, normally after a stretch like that, you'd expect a team to be out of it. 
but they're not. That's the thing is just because it feels like it. This is baseball. Stuff turns on a dime. They went on one of their worst stretches of the season around this time a year ago. Looked like they couldn't win. Everyone in the bullpen was pitching terribly at the time. They couldn't buy a hit. And then all of a sudden they went on this run. They were fantastic in September despite the fact that they had a really difficult schedule. They won nine of their last ten, got into that postseason. They're going to do it again. All right, time's up. And I agree with you, Drew, because the Rockies started off really rocky. (laughs) And they picked it up, and they became a really exciting team for a while. You just only get so many of these. You can only have so many bad stretches because you can get away with starting 3-12. and And then they went and played second best in the National League after that. They haven't even really gotten away with it. Because they, they, they were the second best, and they, what did it get them? It got them in the dogfight. Like, they're still fighting uphill because of that. Exactly. But they're right. But they're in the dogfight. And as such, you know, they've shown that they can go on those runs with this exact same group of guys. I've realized during this 52 minutes and 54 seconds that I'm going to be the villain of this. And <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I think Drew's benefiting from just his sport being the only one that's like actually going on right now. The, well, that would have been right, my yeah, argument right. if I was Drew. How, there's a baseball <laughs> game today. How about yeah. that? The Rockies won the week. Coors Field all your is a great <laughs> place to watch a baseball game. That right. would have been my argument. He's like, argument. I actually have content to produce. <laughs> that's, that's that's how I won the week. There's a ball. For real. Charlie Blackman might hit three home runs tonight, you know, and no one's going to be shocked by it. There's a baseball game. Drew actually just informed me that the baseball all-star game already happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a decent game. Was Mike Trout there? He was there. Oh, good. He's good. Uh, what does Mike Trout look like? Was he <laughs> <laughs> a very handsome man. He is. Oh. He's a good-looking guy. Yeah. We're talking a lot about looks on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, we want you to let us know who you think won the week. Quick recap. Harrison says the Nuggets won the week because Jeremy Grant was signed. AJ said because Jared Bednar officially signed his contract extension ryan's argument was because the broncos are starting training camp they exist (laughs) they have eyeballs and looked at calendars and drew's is there's still hope is that that correct i mean you said a lot of different things yeah i sort of threw everything at that yeah you threw everything (laughs) i I think drew's argument was the baseball season is really long (laughs) (laughs) anything can happen i mean drew's argument could could also be that the rockies went on this huge run in uh 2007 at the end of the season they could do it again (laughs) all they have to do is be like eight games out with 23 games left it's on the table daniel murphy dancing around skipping around into home plate after he's one of the strangest people (laughs) i've ever met in my life and i mean that in a positive way mostly (laughs) all right guys we want you guys to help us choose who won the week I personally think the Nuggets won the week because of the impact Jeremy Grant will make immediately for this Nuggets team. But that's all we've got for you today. We are going to be doing these weekly, so be sure to check it out and let us know what you guys think. Thanks, guys, for coming. For Ryan Konigsberg, AJ Hayfley, Harrison Wind, and Drew Creaseman, I'm Allie Monroy. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats and customer service to the next level. 
That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue, and like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with so full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have Colorado beers on tap all the games on the TVs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue